0: Hey listeners, welcome back. I want to let you know that this episode has some real magic in it, in the form of vulnerability. Listen as today's guest, Jamie Flares, models for us how to be with the fear of telling our stories as women, as she navigated some of her own fear of telling her story on this podcast. Even as an accomplished woman storyteller who helps other women tell their stories, we're all in this together. So rich. Hello and welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast, the place for modern women who are waking up to the truth of who they are, with me as your host, Sarah Poet. Now if the word sacred is throwing you a little bit, that's okay. Have you had that moment as a modern woman where you went, wait, I left something of myself back there along the way? Well, if so, then you're already on a path of sacred remembering and you're actually in the right place. We know that modern women are rising, but we don't do it by fighting. We do it by remembering who we are and standing in that truth. And here in this space, we remember together through stories and tools and curiosity. And in doing so, we bring forward the place of women in our modern world. Now let's begin. Jamie Flares is an author, writing coach, and healer devoted to serving others and the world through authentic embodied creative expression. She is the author of Birth Your Story, Why Writing About Our Birth Matters, and the Honor the Whole daily planner, and a few not yet published books. Jamie holds an MA in writing with an emphasis in teaching writing and a BA in women's studies in English. She coaches soulful creative entrepreneurs, healers, coaches, counselors, therapists, and visionaries to bring their voices into the world in book form. She's also a Koya embodied movement teacher, astrologer, and medicine woman that leads retreats all over the world. Welcome, Jamie. Hi, everybody. We are here with Jamie Flares today. And what I didn't tell you in the bio introduction is that Jamie is one of my dearest friends. So thank you so much, Jamie, for being here and welcome. Oh, thank you so much,
1: Sarah. I'm so happy to be here with you today.
0: Oh, yeah, I'm a little bit giddy and I know that you and I could talk and talk and talk. And um, I'm really excited for listeners to experience you. Jamie Mm. is a woman of so many talents and walks every bit of her talk. And so welcome, welcome. Thank you, Sarah. Likewise.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) All right. So we're going to dive in like I do. And I want to share for the listeners a, a little bit of a background story that Um, You know, I send out these questions about the podcast and Jamie had mentioned in her question answers that there was a period of silence in her life. And, you know, I got to know Jamie after... Well, I'm going to start to talk directly to you. I got to know you Mm -hmm. after, you know, I had left my career and you had written your book. And we were definitely on this conscious soul journey at this point. And I thought, well, I don't really know about that period in your life where you were silent. And I said, hey, Jamie, can we start with that? (laughs) Can we start by hearing your story in a podcast where where we're talking about women telling their stories. And, you know, you and I just, we dive deep by nature, um, maybe also a lot of practice. And in hosting the podcast, something that's come up is actually that I have had to really, um, really dive uh, deep and, and stay connected to the, what I am asking women to do is actually a really big deal. So in a topic about sharing your truth, I asked you, hey, Jamie, are you ready to tell this story? Or I just kind of assumed that you were, and then something happened. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Yeah. So what we decided is that we're going to start with that story, actually. (laughs) Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. So yeah, so like like Sarah just explained, um, there was a period of silence in my life, which is really set up that catalyst for me for my own growth around really being a champion for women's voices in the world. And so it's funny because I've had, you know, I've had my own deeply personal, very potent experience with going from silence to story. Uh, And then, you know, Sarah's invitation was um, to the next level for me. You know, I've shared my story with my healer people, my tribe, my dearest friends, um, but to share it publicly was a new Layer. So, I wanted to share just briefly, even before, you know, regardless of how much of my story of silence comes out today on the podcast, what happened inside of me. So, she shared, like, let's talk about the silence. And all of a sudden, I got all these bodily sensations. It was super intense. I was like, wow, I'm really, this is really uh, activating for me. And so, I want to share a little bit about the journey that I went through just this morning with this facing this um, edge of expression. And these are all tools that I've gathered in my own journey to, to heal and to own my story. So the first thing I did was I connected to my body and I just noticed what sensations were present. So, wow, I'm feeling this in my chest. I'm feeling this kind of nervous buzz of energy. Um, And then I connected into like, what was the core emotion? I was like, Oh, I'm scared. Like, I'm really scared to share this story in a public domain. Wow. And I just really sat with, I sat with kind of like an open, curious witness of like, wow, this is what's really coming up right now. So I didn't judge it. I didn't try to stop it. I just opened and allowed and witnessed it. And then the next thing I did was, well, I revealed it. I revealed it to myself, but then I also reached out. I reached out to Sarah and another dear friend and I shared what I was experiencing just raw, like without a lot of story attached to it. And then I was like, okay, and the energy is still moving. Um, so I'm gonna go use one of my creative outlets. So there are lots of creative outlets that I use to to work with my story, to work with my truth. And today it was about moving it through my body. So, you know, I put on my song, you know, I, I found the perfect song for the moment, and I danced with all of the fever that was up. You know, I danced, this is like a shadow dance, you know, I danced with this this difficult, uncomfortable emotion that was present, and I danced with it. And then I shook through every part of my body. I put another fast song on. I shook it all out. I said, I'm ready to release all of this. I'm ready to let it go. And then I danced with a full expression of what would it be like to share my story today? This is an opportunity to do so. And of course, this is the work that I do in the world. And yet it's still an ongoing inquiry for me. So, you know, I continued on with that, just using my tools. And then I continue to call on the support of, of others. So whether that be others outside of ourselves or even just resource aspects of ourselves, um, I called on that support. You know, I've reached out. It's that we don't necessarily do this work um, of finding our edge and moving through it alone. We have to call out for support, which I feel is so fundamental. Um, and then I really honored my needs. You know, I checked in like from what energy would I be sharing my story today? Would I be sharing it from the trauma energy? Would I be sharing it in service? Would I be sharing it, um, as an example, you know, like how would I share it? And I got clear on how I would share it and like what I, what I needed, you know, like I need to feel safe. I need to feel, I need to feel protected. I need to feel these things. So anyway, I just share all that to say, that was my own journey today. And just working through this invitation to share my story. And I hope that there's something in there that's useful to, to you that are listening in this moment.
0: There's so much wisdom in what you just shared that I feel like rewinding that and listening to it four times will provide listeners with, Oh, this is how we do it. This is how we go through. So I'm interested in, uh, in slowing it down, for a moment because, you know, we're about to talk about an old story that had uh, presumably a lot of trauma in it. And as women, we have these stories inside of us that are often tied to a trauma. And so the first thing that you started noticing today was what was going on in the body. Mm-hmm. And that in and of itself is such a trauma informed practice for when we're experiencing silence as women.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm
0: wondering if you could talk about that a little bit more, because I know you have a lot of knowledge about that tuning into the body and how that is in and of itself a resource. You know, so if we're trying to, I'll ask the question another way too if we're trying to own our truth or use our voice, we're really going to be coming up against some trauma, some residual trauma, some trauma memory, and some trauma that still plays out in the body.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to speak to that, and thank you so much for that frame, Sarah. And uh, one thing I just want to note is you did say let's slow this down, and I think there's a lot of medicine in what you that, that piece. So let's go to that in a moment too. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of the stories, yeah, these stories that live inside of us that are that we initially experience as traumatic, uh, and this idea to me, I'm I'm adding that layer of embodiment. So mm-hmm. I notice in myself when I experienced these intense, you know, moments of trauma, I left my body, you know, like I just left. I was like, evacuate the building. It's not safe to be here. Just go up and out. And so part of my journey to heal and to own my stories and to be in my truth is, is embodiment. So it's a practice. It's not perfection, but it's a practice for me for when I feel triggered or some of my you know, old traumatic memories are stirred up. How can I slow down and be in my body and use the the presence of my body as a tool that's going to support me through the whatever's up, you know? Awesome.
0: Yeah. And that she's an ally not to abandon, you know? Yeah. Thank you so much for that. It took me, you know, decades to, to find that wisdom in my body so, because, <laughs> you know, like in the fight or flight in the brain freaking out because we think we're not safe. We actually oftentimes make the body, um, the opposite of an ally we we make it the enemy because the symptoms in the body are of distress mm-hmm. and so we feel unsafe in the body but actually finding areas of the body that do feel safe can be incredibly grounding and so yeah like you just said finding those safe spaces within and knowing that ultimately you are you are your safe place
1: yeah and it's reframing that that view of the body because you know, oftentimes we do feel these uncomfortable, intense emotions. And one of our sort of um, default sort of re- reactions to that is to like, wow, that's intense. Let's shut it down.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, but
1: actually we can ally with the body. Like she's sharing with us information, like very valuable information that we can actually use. So it's sort of like re reframing what those sensations are and how we are meant to respond to them because they are actually tools for our healing. They're not meant to be, you know, adding insult to injury. They're actually the way through. So right. it's really a deep reframe. And it's not something like you said, it took me decades. It took me decades too. And it took small incremental steps of coming back to the body and befriending her. But it's one of the most valuable areas of, of inquiry or, or of journeying that I've ever taken is right. the journey back to the body.
0: Right. Yeah. And so it's, it's like no surprise that you teach an embodied dance and that you help women tell their truth and that I teach mindfulness and breathing in the body, you know, um, because these are the things that we've lived. These are the, the walks that we've walked. So yeah, back to this morning. So you're noticing the sensations in the body. And then that was your entry point.
1: Yeah. 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 And it was also just meeting them with curiosity yeah. and with openness and welcome us, like here you are and you, we can still have our human experience of like, Oh, this is so uncomfortable, you know, and wishing it were otherwise, you know, but if we can just stay with it and stay open and, and then use, you know, use, you know, use a practice, whether it's even just feeling into your breath and just being with whatever's there. Cause it will, it will move if we allow it, you know?
0: Yeah, it will. Okay, so we're going to connect this back with the reason <laughs> why it all got triggered. Yeah, all of this panic in the first place is because I asked you to share your story of silence, and I know that women listeners everywhere can identify with being a woman with a silent story. You know, I say this bold thing that I really believe that every single woman has a silent story that by keeping it silent um, is preventing something in her life or reframed, you know, to say, to liberate that story changes her life. And so I I am a proponent of owning our stories and being with our stories doesn't necessarily mean shouting them off from the rooftops or getting on a podcast and telling them but um yeah, so I'm gonna invite you to share some of this story of the period of your life where silence was the norm. And I only want you to share that to the extent of your comfort level right now, Jamie, because you know, we're not trying to re-traumatize or prove that we can do something as women. Like we're just being with what is, like in this moment too. And yeah and and I'd love to hear about this journey from i recognize I was in silence to you know i want to help women share their story yeah thank you Sarah thank you for that
1: invitation and i do hear i feel my heart beating a little bit faster now, so I'm very present to you know my my um felt sensation right now as well um you know I did feel into this and i i will say i'll start by saying when i st- out i see like the gorgeous beauty really in each of our stories in that like oftentimes those of us with a big mission or a a, a deep calling in the world, we we often experience the the opposite in the beginning of our lives. You know, humans, we have this experience of contrast, you know? So when I look back at my story, even somewhat objectively, I'm like, wow, yeah, I went through a lot of intensity, a lot of intense experiences of silence so that I knew that space so intimately that I could guide others out of it after I'd gone on my own journey together to go out of it. So... So, yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, I grew up in a family where not a lot of things were spoken about in a healthy way. And I had a series of experiences, particularly in my teenage years that were quite intense. Um, So I'm pausing for a moment because this is what I'm sort of... Holding right now is the question, you know, oftentimes it's safer for us to stay on the surface of our stories, Mm -hmm. and most of us do. And I, you know, I encourage my clients, because I work with clients in telling their truth all the time, I say the more specific we can get, A, the more healing the narrative becomes, and B, more how it instantly, the very specific becomes the universal. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do something right now. I'm going to go into the story. I'm going to manage my emotions and my felt sense. So I may pause and say that's about as far as I'd like to go. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to attempt specificity here for in the hopes that it's of service. Thank you. So, yeah. So there's a couple of stories that um, there's one particular st- experience that I had that was really ground zero for me. Um, I was 13 years old and I had began, you know, I don't even know. We're going to call it loosely a relationship with a peer a boy. And he began physically and sexually abusing me. And there was a series of instances that continued to escalate. You know, he would only hit me. And I do want to say, I do want to offer like a trigger warning before I go into this story, because for anyone listening, I invite you to pause. If you have some, some trauma in your past that, you know, anything, if there's just a part of you that's like, I'm not ready to hear this story. Like exit now, (laughs) please. And and with so much love in my heart, I say that. Um, So I'll carry on a little bit. So yeah, I mean, this man, this boy would only hit me in my breasts, you know, it was very sexualized physical abuse and I didn't know what to do with it. I stayed silent. I was so scared and I believed that there was something wrong with me. So I didn't share my story and I cannot, I continued to be abused and I lived in this secrecy in the silence. And I remember even moments of like looking at my body in the mirror. I mean, like nobody sees what I can see right now. Nobody knows what's happening to me. And so it continued on for a period of six months or so. And we started our freshman year in high school and he was still there. I hadn't seen him for a little while, but he was still bullying me. He was still very physically aggressive towards me. And shortly into our first year, he was expelled from school because he had sexually molested another, little, another girl in the, in the dark room of the photography class. So he was all of a sudden out of my life. And I remember that moment of feeling like, wow, my silence... Mm, it had an impact, you know? I mean, of course, like at that moment, I kind of blamed myself for what had happened to this other girl and thinking like, if I would have shared my story, I could have, I could have changed that. Um, but I made a lot of, so that thing happened to me. Right. And I made a lot of story. I, I, I attached a lot of beliefs to that story. Like, I'm all alone. I'm not safe. It's my fault. You know, there were a lot of, there was a lot of meaning making that happened in that story. And I say that because those things are things that we want to unearth from our stories um, Mm. because they hold keys for how we begin to share our truth um, effectively in the world and in a healthy way as we move forward. Um, But I continue to have a few other experiences like that where my truth, my, my holding of the truth, um, and my living in silence was deeply, deeply hurtful to myself. Um, and it became a poison in some ways, you know, I, I didn't get the support I needed. I didn't get, um, there were a lot of things that, you know, that, that, that intense experience of silence, um, you know, taught me and offered me. And so, you know, it's been a journey, back from those intense experiences, not only of trauma, but of what I did with it, which is that I'm bad and wrong. I can't share my story. It doesn't matter. I don't matter. You know, this whole slew of beliefs that we have that come in when we can't fully process our experiences and our stories that we need to work with in order to reclaim our
0: voices. Yeah. Thank you so much. I want to just like give you time for a breath. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. So what I, I want to lift up and out of that um, sacred story is that there was this belief inside of you that manifested in it. It sounded like it had a couple of different tapes that it played that you were bad, and then that, that exacerbated the silence. Mm-hmm. But there was, I'm going to maybe say like a shame component. And you and I had used that word before we began recording earlier today. And so, yeah, there's, there's this loop um, where we as women feel that we are wrong. And then in that shame, that's where the silence lies so often. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for
1: going there, Sarah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is what I felt was an ex- like exquisite amount of shame. I really believed that what was happening to me made me bad and wrong, and therefore to share it would be dangerous, you know. Right. Um, and to share it would mean I was exposing how bad and wrong I was <laughs> to other people, and that was just a risk I wasn't willing to take, you know. Um, of course, it's super convoluted, right? Because what we know and and you know think. the, the, the goodness of the world for work like Brené Brown's work, you know, we, we know now that shame can only live in the silence and it really does. So I think that's one of the first steps to really owning our story is that we have to go deep inside and look at that shame and feel it and begin to mend it. And that's the first part is that we have to come back into loving ourselves. We have to begin to rewrite that narrative
0: for ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. So on your journey, um, how did you begin to rewrite that narrative? Like, was there therapy? Was Were there other practices that you began to engage with? Was this, you know, a lot of self-directed inquiry? What did that look like for you?
1: Yeah, thank you for asking that story, Sarah. Well... And I'm sure, you know, even in the intro being introduced, a lot of people now know my work is to help people with writing. And so one of the, one of the reasons that that's one of my most potent, you know, tools in my toolbox is that writing was the first safe place that I went. I wrote, I began writing when I was about that time, actually about 12 or 13. And that was really the only safe space for me. So I would go to my journal and I would write poetry and I would, I would express my raw emotions. And I would just give it, it had a safe space in my writing world where nowhere else. So it was like, yes, I was so silent in the world but I had this sacred place that was all mine, that was never shared, that I could truly speak my truth. So I was finding that outlet, that creative outlet to express my truth, even in the silence. So I found that sacred space. So that was really my first tool. And I say, you know, I don't think I could have survived my teens without writing. That was like the first big tool.
0: Fundamental.
1: Yeah, it was just like, can you speak the truth to yourself? And I think that's one of the things, you know, when we talk about how do we share our truth in the world? It's like in the world, yes, but first, how do we speak our truths? And the first step is always to ourselves. And sometimes that's where it stops. You know, sometimes that's enough. Um, But that is such a brave act in in and of itself is can we speak
0: the truth? Can we tell our stories to ourselves? Can we? Yeah. That is so rich. I just want to just <laughs> lift that up and lift that up and write it down. Um, yeah. Can we own it to ourselves? Because, uh, you know, in this time, I think, you know, if we could jump sort of collectively globally right now, there's, you know, women's voices are rising and there's all of this encouragement for women to use their voices. And you know what I experienced in my own body, and what I experience in the work that I do is that, given that it's not been safe to share the story, when we start to use our voices before we're comfortable with that story, or before um, we have safety in our own body with the story, that kind of thing, um, you know, we can we can cause more damage for ourselves. Like it can it can be messy. Um, it can also be liberating. It can be many things. But I think that point to own the story with and for yourself first is key. You actually dropped that wisdom when, like in one of our first calls, Jamie is helping me write my memoir, y'all. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, about a year ago, we were on a call and I was going, who's this for? Is it for the women of the world? Is it for my daughter? And you said, well, what if it was for you? <laughs> yeah. Wow. What if you're just writing for you? And that has landed. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's where we must begin, I think, in in order to own our stories in the world in a healthy way is that we really have to be able to work with our stories in a very um, inward way, you know, in a way that's deeply personal. You know, we have to we have to work with the shame. We have to, you know, own our stories before we can really share them. We have to have our own backs. You know, we have to process our stories and mine them for the gold. And, you know, one of the things and I, I talk about this in my book, Birth Your Story. And of course, that's in the context of birth, but it's really for everything is that like we can't change what happened to us, but we can change the meaning that we make about it. And that's a constant um, space of renewal and expansion and revision. Like we can continue to reframe the stories. That's where our power lies in our stories is that we can um we can. We are in charge of how we tell those stories and what meaning they they make for us or hold for us. Right. And we get to always. That's always open for um, updating.
0: You know. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is this path that you know. I'm the podcast is called Sacred Remembering, and this is that path. It's like the permission to follow the breadcrumbs on your path back to yourself, mm. and. All of those reasons why we avoid that. Um, You know, when you were just saying that about you get to revise your story, I was thinking, well, what if you had always told that story about when you were 13 and you had told it with an interpretation or making meaning about that boy? And, you know, if you had attached to that um, as Your reason for feeling the way you felt, if you had attached to him, you know, then you would not have, potentially would not have your own inner alchemy as you have, like when you make your story about yourself, your story continues to grow and evolve. Yeah. And you can start to open it up. So oftentimes,
1: you know, um, it's just like scar tissue when we have a traumatic story, like when there's a lot of tightness around it and there's only really one, there's only room for one tiny version of the story. We can get stuck. And that's how our stories can sometimes get stuck is that we get in that tightly bound you know, version. And so when we start to open it up and we start to peel back the layers and we start to introduce more possibilities um, for interpretation, for meaning making, we can start to create some more freedom and start to loosen and melt away some of the scar tissue around our stories.
0: Yeah. Beautiful. So what did going, so you grew through high school and then there was college and then you decided to major in writing. Yeah. Yeah. And women's studies, right? And women's studies. Yep. Yep. Um, Okay. I, I got my BA in women's studies in
1: English, and then I got my master's degree in writing.
0: Okay, great. So here's what I'm wondering, because I am in this process of writing memoir and kind of looking back. And so as a woman, I'm wondering if like, when you look back at that decision to major in women's studies, were you, how aware were you of what you were doing or um or the the big why or i don't know like what got you into women's studies what were you aware of that was really important to learn about at that time or were you kind of following what i'm calling the breadcrumbs
1: yeah i mean i was following the breadcrumbs you know i had had a lot of really intense, um, experiences of, of abuse and, you know, different things growing up. And I needed to try to make sense of that. You know, there was a lot of those things. I was like, I want to understand this better. And, you know, even some of the stories we've been told about what our history is and, you know, who we are as men and women and what's valued and all of that. I just had a lot of questions around, you know, the, we can call it now the feminine. I probably wouldn't have called it that, that right. then, but the I just argument, started you're saying, yeah, and yeah. just women's You know, women's voices, women's wisdom, it's always been, you know, it's just a thread that's carried through my life. So, you know, I, I, I didn't necessarily go into, you know, into college, like, oh, I'm going to major in women's studies. I kind of backed into it. Actually. Mm-hmm. I just kept taking the classes. So in that, that sense, I was following the thread of just like, mm-hmm. yes, I want to, you know, yes to the women's sexuality class. Yes. To the women's history class. Yes. To the women in spirituality class. I kept saying yes to the classes because I was so curious about, yeah. you know, about this, this information that I never had access to before. And so, you know, I did it wasn't even until my last year in college um, because if anyone here knows me personally, you know, that I'm an incredibly enthusiastic and passionate person in a lot of areas. So pretty much every class I took, I was like, <laughs> I love this, I'm going to do this. You know, I was a geologist for a semester and then I was a, you know, political science person for a semester. You know, I just, I really loved, I love, love, love school and gaining new insight about the world and myself. And so, but I kept taking the women's studies classes and I kept taking the writing classes and I was like, these are really my through lines, you know? Mm-hmm. And I realized that I had pretty much had a major in women's studies. But I went through this whole process inside before I claimed that, which is like, what are people going to think about me when I tell them I'm a women's studies major? And I got all the things, you know, oh, you're a feminist. Oh, you hate men. Oh, you know, all the projections and all the judgments around what it would mean for me to be uh, interested in this in this domain, and so it was actually a rite of passage for me to own that and declare it as a major, and to say, yeah, that's what I got my degree in. You know, like that's what I studied. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was a big move. That was a big move. That for was
0: decide, You know, courageous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but then, I, oh, yeah. go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 no. You go. Well, I was just going to say, I, I love when you started using the word yes. You were saying yes to this class, and yes, so it was like you were saying yes to what lit you up.
1: Yeah, and I was saying yes to myself rather than I what dare. the world wanted me to be. Mm-hmm. You know, like it would have been more—it would have been more um, approved, like you know, culture approved, society approved, friend approved—if I would have like majored in business or you know yeah. what I mean, like that would have been the easier path on the outside. But the, the actual appropriate path for me was to go into this. This yes, that was my personal yes too.
0: Yeah, Oh friend, we have some similarities there as well. <laughs>
1: I bet. I bet we do.
0: <laughs> oh, this is fun to go back with you. So we're going to take a quick break. And then I want to come back and talk about how you took your story. And I know there are aspects of your story that you haven't shared yet. You're welcome to share more if you'd like. Um, and yeah, continue to follow those yeses and where you are now. Perfect. Thank you, Sarah. Hey, it's Sarah. I really believe that every woman has a truth that she's not yet telling and that this is affecting her entire life. That's why I've created a Women's Mastermind beginning in early January of 2020. What sacred truth are you ready to embody this year? Visit sarahpoet.com now and sign up for more information on this mastermind. I will be teaching, leading, and together we will be co-creating a transformational experience where every woman in this sacred circle will rise into the embodied truth of who she is. This is potent. If you can feel it and 2020 is your year to really embody your true essence, then please visit sarapoet.com and get on the waiting list now. As you're hearing in our episode today, and as you know, owning our truths as women is really the work of a lifetime. That's why I've created a new e course for women called From Silence to Sacred Truth. The intention of this course is really to help your holistic journey from trauma and silence to embodiment and safety and voice. As all of my work is, this is trauma sensitive and empowering. It's available now at sarahpoet.com. Okay, so we are back with Jamie Flares and we are talking about the journey of owning our personal truths as women and telling our stories today. Such an important and complex topic. Jamie, thank you for being here with me and having this conversation.
1: Yeah, Sarah, thank you so much. And for everyone who's listening, thank you.
0: Yes, so I want to ask you a question about college, and you were talking about your yeses and the things that you wanted to learn and how learning really lit you up and I'm wondering if you could talk about it was there a journey between um, receiving that knowledge from outside of yourself and then in the, ter- in the um, form of books and college and education and learning and and also learning to balance or consciously coming into balance with honoring your own wisdom equally. Yeah. Thank you, Sarah. Wow. I have so much to say around this topic. I
1: know. <laughs> but I have a feeling that you and I have a similarity in this as well. Uh, well. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, college was beautiful for me. I mean, it got me out of the the trickier situations of trauma and things that I had found myself in in my teenage years. And I found when I got to school that I was really good at it. You know, I was really what we would call smart. You know, I got straight A's from the very beginning of the semester, you know, very semester one of college. And I went up into my head and I found not only was this a place where I really thrived, but it was a place where the world reflected back to me that I was good you know, it was like, oh, you're so smart, you're getting good grades. You know, I was doing the things that we're told we're supposed to do to be successful and to be good. You know, so I really started to just in some ways it was beautiful because it brought me into this space of agency, and you know, I felt good about myself for the right, maybe one of the first times, you know, from just since childhood. And and I really felt that agency, but I noticed, and as I look back now at that time, that even on the energetic level, I had sort of retreated up into my head and I was like, I can just stay up here and be safe, you know, and I can do all the things that society tells me is right. You know, I went and became a professor and, you know, all these things happened that looked really good on paper, really good on the outside that I would really receive validation from, for the outside, from the outside. Right. So So what was waiting for?
0: Yeah. Yeah. The letters behind our name that like make us something according to the way things are set up. (laughs)
1: Yes. So I had thrived in that world, but there was still this deep, deep journey that I needed to go on that was waiting for me, which was can you actually find that inner validation? You know, can you begin to come in and honor your own truth? Because, yeah, I was basically gathering information from all these sources outside of myself and then being like, look at all this information I have. You know, look at all this wisdom that I've gathered. But it wasn't actually deep body wisdom. It wasn't really deep felt wisdom. It wasn't something that came from me. It was something given to me sort of like input. Like we make deposits in the bank, you know? Um, And so that was the journey that awaited me. And so it took a while. I mean, this is like, you know, we're talking periods of decades, right? Right, Um, right? But I hadn't been, I wasn't in my body. I wasn't in my true feminine knowing my intuition. Like if you would have asked me about intuition in college, I would have been like, I mean, I had it, you know, when I look back, I see all the places where it lived in me, but did I acknowledge it? Was I aware of it? Was I working with it? No, no. Mm-hmm. Um, was I aware of what was happening in my hips or my heart? No, <laughs> you know, yeah. I was all up in my head, so that was a big, big journey for me um not a one time act, you know, very much a series of openings and a series of revisions, but that's been some of the most powerful work that I've done in the last maybe ten, fifteen years is yeah, go like, cool. I'm sorry to, to no, please yeah,
0: I don't want to interrupt it. I want to ask. Was there an an awakening to that information, or did it happen gradually was it Was there an aha moment you know do you remember sort of when you started to remember
1: oh gosh, yeah, well, you know, I would say, sir, that there's been maybe hundreds
0: of moments, hundreds? <laughs> you yeah. know,
1: and there's small wins and they're big wins and so um there's a few that stick out as like maybe, I don't want to say peak experiences because I know that, that that phrase can be used in other ways, but really big shifts for me. Right. The first, one of the big ones that comes in is um the very first time. So as Sarah mentioned, I teach an embodied movement practice. This was about five or six years ago. I stepped into this class at the strong recommendation of a healer woman I was working with. She said, you need to go to Koya. I said, okay. Mm-hmm. So I went to the class and I was like nervous. Like, honestly, this is like full disclosure. I could never really dance unless I maybe had some alcohol in my system. Like I was nervous. I was awkward. I wasn't in my body. Okay. So I yeah. my body. I was like, Oh God, please. I don't want to please. Nobody look, you know?
0: Jamie, I love hearing this and I'm going to just disclose what's coming up. So I know Jamie now for a few years and I would never think. You know, I'm projecting onto her. I would never think that there was a time where she couldn't dance in her body, right? But no, I'm lifting this up because women listeners are like, I don't want to go to a dance class. That was me when I went to my first Koya class, <laughs> and that was not five years ago. It was more recent than that. And and I was like, oh, good, I get to stay on the yoga mat. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I get to hide over here, Um, right? And and so there, it is a journey, and yeah. uh, and I just really wanted to say that um, it is a process of remembering and allowing yourself to come back to this, you know? So, okay. So back to five years ago, first Koya class. Koya
1: class, And I'm scared. super nervous. And yeah. I, you know, I'm with my now dear friend, Colleen, but I didn't know her at the time. And she put a blindfold on me. I was like, this is intense, you know, but I danced. <laughs> she put on this song because she wanted to blindfold me so I could really go inside and listen to my truth and not be outside of myself, you know? So it was such a gift. So I went inside and I danced this beautiful, powerful, primal dance. And it was the first time I remember, ah, this is the direct felt experience of what I've been trying to reach through my mind for 10 or 15 years now. I've been looking at all the books. I've been looking to all the teachers and I was like, ah, it was living inside of me this whole time. And I just tapped into it. Jamie.
0: Jamie. Chills, I have chills right now. Yes. Okay. So it was a feeling and a remembering inside of you. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I—that was the first moment where I was like, ah, there is deep wisdom in my body and in my knowing that comes from inside of me, that is actually trustworthy, powerful, an exceptional guide. You know, I just started to reorient myself from being so outwardly focused, so needing of outside validation to. Uh, I can go inside for this medicine. Uh, and that's where I need to go,
0: actually. And that's where we need to go. Amazing. So, yeah. knowing about you that you are a mama and you have a daughter that's about that age, where were you in your pregnancy and whether her journey at the time that you were also discovering this deep wisdom in the body? Had your daughter Ooh. been
1: born yet? Yeah. Thank you, sir. That's a deep question. So, yeah. <laughs> she, was, she was a few years old. And I was actually going through a massive healing crisis. Um, I say crisis because it was like, you know, chaos and opportunity. Um, I had significant reproductive health damage after the birth of my daughter related to the birth, but also much beyond that. And the reason I'd I'd come to Koya pretty much on my knees, like my body is falling apart. I don't know what to do. I'm not in allyship with her. I don't know how to heal this massive thing that's happening inside my body right now. And so I was on a deep, deep journey with the body and whether I was safe in it and whether it was healthy and whether it would hold me. And, you know, it was this deep, deep journey. So, yeah, I was a mother and I was also, yeah, there
0: was just a lot there for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you were a mother and you, were, you had gone through the process of giving birth and then a massive reclamation of your own Body and coming back into your body as a as a woman, and I imagine a lot of women experience that. Like we're going through the world, doing the career thing, doing the success and the knowing thing, the schooling thing. You know what we were just referencing, and yeah. then having having children can be such a wake up call to our bodies, to our primal essence, to to ourselves as women, and all that goes with that. So, and now you, I mean, your book is about birthing your story about the birth stories, correct?
1: Yeah. 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 It's funny. I always say like the book is about birth. It's about birth. It's about birth. And it's also really the birth is a metaphor for any massive transformation, any deep rite of passage that we go through in life. That actually all of it applies. Same, same, (laughs) pretty much
0: yeah everything 's a birth metaphor <laughs> yeah it is it 's true <laughs> yeah. so what compelled you to write the book
1: yeah well, I mean you know i 've been sharing some intense stories in my life, um, but birth was such a rite of passage for me and such a reclamation of the the wisdom of the body and the wisdom of the feminine and you know even when my daughter was being born, you know I was a professor at the time when when she, when I was pregnant and that career sort of fell away for for some logistical reasons uh, as a new mom. And I, you know, I felt all this passion around birth, you know, I trained to become a doula and I trained in all these medicinal arts for for women in the childbearing season. And I had this great passion around honoring birth, you know, I even noticed that birth and motherhood were sort of missing from my women's studies education, because, you know, as a movement, we sort of distanced ourselves from mothering and, and babies, um, in order to really reclaim our place in the world in other ways, the feminist, you know, the, the, the trajectory that feminism has taken in, in, in all of its forms. And so it was really, really a reclamation and an honoring of birth as this really important rite of passage and bringing it back to its rightful place in our lives. And so that was a piece of it was that I felt really passionate about birth. And of course, you know, I've had this long through line in my life about the power of writing down our stories. So for me, it was really a natural fit to bring them together and say, let's talk about writing our birth stories and what that actually brings for us beyond just
0: like, Oh, I have a written document of my, my child's birth. Right. So, what are some of the things that you found that it did bring up for women who are writing their stories about their birth, or for yourself? yeah?
1: Well, it's big. I mean, I wrote a whole book about it, obviously, which I'm right. not going to talk about all the pieces. But um, <laughs> I often find that the birth time and the birth story is really a macrocosm. Uh, I'm excuse me, a microcosm of the macro kind of level. Themes that we're working with. So, you know, our themes of am I safe in the world? Can I trust my body? Can I use my voice and advocate for myself? Can I trust in the wisdom of my own knowing? You know, all these bigger, bigger life themes tend to be kind of um, represented in our birth experiences. And so I found that birth storytelling is a portal through which we can start to own our bigger truths and our bigger empowerment and authenticity. power in the world. So it's really a portal to me.
0: Oh, that's so amazing. So in my birth story from my first child, I was 18 years old when I got pregnant, 19 when I gave birth to her. And I knew that she was going to be placed for adoption and an open adoption. I'm saying this for listeners. Um, I know that you know the story. And when I look at that pregnancy and birth, I didn't advocate for myself but I advocated for the child. Mm. And, um, so I, I had this really big, bold inside voice, like a voice within me where, you know, I birthed her naturally and all, and I was 19 years old and I knew to birth her naturally. I knew that I wanted to do that. And when the doctors all came in to not help me birth her naturally, but instead to give me the Pitocin drip, you know, come on kid, this is going to hurt kind of thing. Mm. Um, I I became a force, like of nature, and I was like, I'm gonna do this. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I'm wondering if um, so you're saying that it is often by writing the story, you can see the source of, of your own power a little bit. Or a lot. Yeah. That is, yeah.
1: uh, and you can reckon with your truth. You know, maybe you did have your voice, you know, maybe you didn't feel like you had your voice in your birth experience, or maybe you feel like you really had to navigate that and maybe advocate for yourself in a way that perhaps was, you know, other than you would wish. And so for whatever it is, whether birth was a super empowering experience where you gathered and reconnected to your power or whether it felt perhaps disempowering, it's an opening. It's a place where we can start to look at what's true and also revise our narratives, you know know so whatever the truth is whatever the story you're telling yourself is about your birth you know we can go back in and that's the process i take people through in the book is that we get to go in you know we look at these three layers we look at what happened which is sort of not so much changeable right what happened is what happened and then we go into the inside which is what were we feeling and needing at the time what were we what are we feeling and needing now about that story and we bring in all this compassion for ourselves and then we look at what meaning are we telling ourselves so if we're telling ourselves a story about how we reclaimed our power as a woman that's one story if we're telling ourselves a story about how our body is a lemon you know and how it failed us like that's a different story Mm -hmm. and so we get to go in and get clear through our writing process what are the meanings that we're making what are the real stories and beliefs that we're telling ourselves about our story and that's the place where we can open it up for liberation and it's not just to gloss over and make everything happy i'm very like anti-bypassing and just like everything's fine now but like We get to go back in and claim our stories and begin to heal them and begin to honor what is we may not celebrate, but we can always honor what's there. And we get to choose going forward what that means about us.
0: Right. Thank you. So I kind of want to go a little bit deeper, just right there. There's a woman who is really disappointed in maybe it's her birth story or You know, getting back to voice, like maybe it is a personal disappointment of how she's remaining silent in a certain area, that kind of thing. Yeah. How does looking at this and being with what is, I know that you just, you said this, you know, you're looking at your story with compassion and you're deciding what story you're telling. But if you're really not happy with your story, how do you take women through that? disappointment or, you know, the disappointment in, um, a common one that I see is like, I stayed silent for so long. Yeah. So there's this past regret kind of, kind of thing. How do you, that's a good question. Alchemize that with women. Yeah. Well,
1: I mean, the first thing that comes up for me is we give space to grieve. Mm. we give space for those feelings of disappointment. We give space for those feelings of regret or loss or whatever it might be, you know? So even in, you know, that, that intense healing journey that I went through, you know, I sat and I did grief ceremony you know, I did ritual. I, I looked at all the things, you know, a lot of the stuff was centered around my womb and I went in and I said, here's all the things that my womb has been holding. This is hard. This is, heavy this is dense this is sad there's a lot of grief here and i had to allow myself like ample space to feel the grief to feel the sadness and i think once we give women space to feel cuz so much so much of the time in our culture we're like just go be happy just That's go tonight. carry on with your baby just go carry on with your relationship like put on your smiling face and man do i know that that journey. Um, so there's so much, um, healing that can come in when we just allow what is to be there and we're not going to gloss over it. That's why I say honoring and not celebrating is honoring is like deep recognition of what it, what is like, wow. Okay. That is, that is here, you know? And so and the unpleasant, Yeah. And I take people too. So, you know, even in the birth story writing, it's like, you don't have to clean it up and put a a pretty bow on it at the end. You can wrestle with the things that are still alive for you. You know, it doesn't have to be a solved, you know, a resolved, uh, quick, tidy story. And many of our stories are not. They're ongoing unfoldments. And so there's no destination. It's just about this slow process um, of this incremental journey. But giving space for those denser emotions, not denser giving space for the emotions that are hard for us to feel, but are nevertheless present. They're powerful and they do have, they do have wisdom for us.
0: Right. And then when it's liberated, it's not, it's not keeping you hostage anymore. You know, yeah. Beliefs. Yeah. 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 So one of the things that we started to talk about earlier that I want to circle back to, and honestly, if I, touch in with what's happening in me right now it it feels um like i feel a little ping in my stomach because i'm like this is so big how do we talk about this Jamie? so help mm-hmm. me <laughs> yes <laughs> <You're doing laughs> yeah so we were talking about i mean this this topic of story owning your story owning your voice knowing when to share knowing when to discern um Knowing when to tell, you know, you and yourself and your own heart and sacred space versus like getting up on a stage and telling it. Let's just talk about like women's voices in the world right now. And I'll just kind of open that up wide and whatever lands with you. um, Let's talk about some of the maybe social pressure to be strong or use your big voice or, you know, what what lands? Yeah. I open that up. Oh, I'm glad that you came back to this. And I think it's a really rich area of
1: inquiry. I'd like to offer something. I don't pretend to have like the last word on this, but <laughs> I actually want to share, I do want to share this. It's a, it's in my book and it's, it's actually a quote from Brene Brown. And she says, our stories are not meant for everyone. Hearing them is a privilege, we should always ask ourselves this before we share who has earned the right to hear my story. And I really like that reframe because there is, you know, there is this cultural movement. There's this big, massive disclosure happening in our culture. A lot of things that have been hidden in the shadows are coming to light. And we all have an opportunity to begin to speak from that place of silence, to move from silence into our voices. Um, But it's not just a free-for-all. I mean, that's just like blowing, you know, we can blow out our systems collectively and personally. And so we want to be discerning i think when we when it comes to sharing our story and even for me um sharing my story here on the podcast today like there was a lot of process of discernment of like from what energy am i sharing this story like what's safe for me you know so there's a lot of questions i think it's wise to ask ourselves before we share so we want to think about who are we sharing with what audience you know has that audience earned the right to hear our story is there trust there is there rapport you know is there you know, is there safety for us? I think that's a big question.
0: Yeah. And coming from the inside of us. Yeah. From the embodiment of our stories. So we have done some work with them. And then I also think that there's like a why, you know? So that's the description. Yeah. But, you know, I know my story and why am I sharing it? Yeah. Um, I'd love for to speak what to purpose.
1: Yeah. For okay. what purpose? Yeah. So like I, the way I was saying that was like, from what energy I was sharing. And so I do talk about this a little bit in my book too. Like there's a couple of things that we sometimes, uh, energies that we share from that aren't always in the highest service to ourselves and others. So there's four that I, that I have listed here and there may be more, but one is like, we're telling our stories to seek approval outside of ourselves. Right. You know, like if I tell the story, it's going, the reaction I receive is going to tell me whether I'm lovable, worthy, good, you know, all of those things like that. That's a tricky energy to come from. Mm-hmm. Um, we sometimes can share from uh, an, a desire to evangelize. Like we want everyone to believe our version of truth. Mm-hmm. That can be tricky territory. Um, we sometimes share, but we're still exquisitely tender and vulnerable. And we're really not ready to share those stories yet. Like they need to be like in the sweet, safe cocoon of our inner world and our safe, trusted others. And they're not meant to be shared wide because we're not ready.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then the fourth reason is that sometimes we share and we weaponize our stories. You know, like I'm going to get back at this person or this uh, aspect of our our collective humanity. You know, like if I tell my story, I'm going to stick it to them. You know, and I and there's there's beautiful <laughs> sacred energy in that, but sometimes that doesn't always have the impact and effect that that is really for the highest of everyone. Right. Um, so we want to be aware of that, but there are so many benefits of sharing, um, you know, we can share out of that spirit of connecting. I mean, we're storytellers, you know, we are right. as humans, we are storytellers. It's one of the things that makes us different from the other animals that we tell stories and our stories transmit so much wisdom to one another and they really connect us to one another. So there's this right. deep opportunity for connection when we share our stories, we can also heal through our stories, through sharing our stories. We can also shape the world around us. We can shape our own world and we can help to influence the world around us. Right. Um, even the culture, you know, in my book, I talk about when we all share the truth about our birth experiences, we begin to change the narrative of birth in our culture. And so there's a lot of potency with sharing our stories, but we just want to be discerning first. to have some gatekeepers, some really healthy gatekeepers in our psyche that can determine when it's safe to share and in what context and all of those things.
0: Yeah. So let me ask you a question and I'll give you my answer too. Have you shared from all four of those points where you advise not sharing from? Is that how you learned about it?
1: (laughs) Probably. Yeah, probably. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, definitely. I mean, we all learn through trial and error, you know, so it's like, oh yeah, okay. I just did that. That felt weird. You know, I just, you know, um, I, yeah, I have experienced all those either in myself or others, you know? Yeah.
0: Well, maybe I was giving you examples and you were, <laughs> yeah. I, I have done all of those things. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, as yeah as absolutely. We reading one through four, I was thinking, yeah, totally done that. Listen, we all
1: have. So there's no reason either to bash ourselves. Yeah. It's exactly. like, oh yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. No. And I share that to normalize it. Right. And totally. I also share that to, to normalize and to say that there are, in my experience, stages of getting closer to. The embodiment of your truth and the true preparation to share your story. I, in my life, there have been stages of that. Yeah, stages included sure. a couple of things on that list that you just said, you know. But it, I think, at first, when we have been silent and there is this. Um, you know, compulsion to stay silent because of the fear that we feel in our whole system. That mm-hmm. when we start to practice using our voice, the voice comes out in a myriad of ways, not all of which are always the most pleasant or refined, you know, but sometimes we're just like trying to get it out um, because it needs to be out of us. So I actually go back to your writing suggestion, you know, and be writing the stories for ourselves and almost refining and discerning which ones we're bringing forward into the world. Yeah. yeah. And I will say sometimes we need to just wail. You know, sometimes yeah. we really
1: do <laughs> it right? either with a trusted friend or with a pen and paper. We need to write the uh, that evangelizing story. We need to weaponize. We need to experience those different expressions, those different stages. You know, they're yeah. not bad or wrong. Right. They just have impact. They have particular impacts. And so Correct. we can do a lot of that inner world, inner work and inner wrestling. You know, sometimes we do have to wrestle with our stories. <laughs> you know, we really Absolutely. do. Absolutely. Absolutely. For years. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. And we're all going to be in different places. So to really just honor where you are. And, you know, also, I want to come thread back to this idea of going slow, you know, oftentimes trauma is, you know, one of the definitions of trauma is too much too fast. So one of the ways that we heal our narratives is by going really slow, you know, like slower than we're comfortable going slow. Um, with our own journeys, with our own expressions of truth, with our own comfort in um, what's happened to us and how we express ourselves in the
0: world. Like we have to go slow. It's not a, it's not an instant thing. Yeah. Thank you so much for saying that. Jamie, I feel like you and I could talk all day and so Yeah, we could. <laughs> <laughs> and I um I want to wrap up today but I'd love to have you back on the podcast and continuing to talk about this such such an important and rich and complex topic of how we own our voices and tell our stories.
1: Yeah. Um, Thank you, Sarah. I have one more little nugget I'd love to share if
0: I may. Oh. A genie nugget I want.
1: (laughs) Okay, one of the other things that's really coming through right now is, okay, this is a practice. So one of the things about owning our truth is, like, you know, for me, at least in my experience in this moment, like, I don't need to run around and tell my story of trauma in order to feel like I'm telling my story and speaking my truth. Oh yeah. Um, What I find, this is where I find it, is that you know, there were some deep core beliefs that are thread through some of my trauma stories. And so what I find is that when I'm in my present life and, you know, a a thing happens and I'm like, wow, this is a moment where, I would have told myself I'm all alone right now, or I'm bad and wrong. I start to shift the narrative by beginning to own that story in the present and rewiring myself. So I start to choose a new narrative in present time. You know, So instead of I'm all alone, I say, I have support. And then I reach out to my trusted people and I tell them what's going on. I tell them my present current story. You know, I allow myself to receive the medicine of of community. And, you know, if I say I'm bad and wrong, like I find the ways to rewrite that narrative in present time. And that's the place from which I really start to share my truth. So it's not so much going backward to tell my whole life story, but how do we begin to in small daily moments, start to rewire some of those traumatic beliefs. So the beliefs that come from our trauma stories, um, so that we can live more liberated and free in this moment. And that has made such a difference in the way that I live my life
0: amazing so, i 'm so glad that you brought that wisdom nugget forward, yeah, it just wanted to come out. Thank you, Sarah Thank you. yeah, so much, oh my gosh, okay so i really I really want to honor that, and like I said, I feel like we could keep going and going, and just yes. want to respect the listeners time as well, but I really want to uh, take a few moments to acknowledge where people can find you if they are loving what they're hearing and want more support in telling their own story and working through their blocks with story and maybe writing their story. You're a book coach. So tell us a little bit about what you're currently doing. We did not even talk about your healing arts today, (laughs) but yeah, tell us, tell us what you offer in the world and where we can find you. Yeah, well, I mean, at its core,
1: I help, I help women and men, you know, honor the truth about their lives and share what they're here to share, whatever medicine or whatever offering that is to the world. So I do so specifically through book coaching. I also do expressive writing coaching. Um, I offer retreats, um, all sorts of ways to connect. But the way to find me and learn more is at jamieflares.com. I think probably Sarah will have it in the show notes, but it's J-A-I-M-E-F-L-E-R-E-S.com and you can find more information there.
0: Thank you so much. And then your sacred art, healing art? Yeah, it's Heart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, my other
1: business, which is my healing healing work, which I'm working to continue to integrate the two, but yeah. sacredhearthealingarts.com. Uh, and I do a lot of soul
0: work and healing modalities through that business as well. Amazing. Yeah, so working with Jamie is holistically healing and transformative. Um thank mm-hmm. you so much, Jamie, for being here and for sharing your vulnerable story today and for modeling for listeners the process that you went through today and meeting that vulnerability. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Sarah. And thank you to
1: each and every one of you that are listening right now. And I wish you all the best in owning your story and your truth. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Sarah.
0: This is Sarah Poet of Embodied Breath, and thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm curious, what was your biggest takeaway? Remember that you are not alone on the sacred path, and women are rising now together. You can visit my website, sarahpoet.com, for more tools and inspiration to support your sacred remembering path. Please be sure to check the show notes, subscribe to this podcast, share with a friend, and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I love to hear from you. Stay connected, and here's to your path of sacred remembering.